If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to open them uh, to the book of Hebrews. Um, I just wanted to take a few minutes uh, tonight to, uh, to talk about the story of, of Jesus' birth and what it means, what, uh, what it might mean for you, what it might mean uh, for me. Um, we, we heard the reading of the biblical account just a minute ago. Uh, and as the story has been told throughout the years, uh, like, like many stories, um, we've added some detail to them along the way. Um, you know, kind of like uh, when guys go fishing. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, they caught so many fish and they were this big. And, uh, or, you know, you get a group of people together who had, had maybe gone to high school together, and they start talking about the past, and, you know, all of the exploits on the football field, they just grow more massive and more impressive as time goes by. You know, so I, you know, this biblical narrative of, of Jesus' story, we, we tend to add some detail uh, along the way that may or may not be accurate. Um, if you look at most of the greeting cards that are out there, uh, we have this picture of Mary riding a donkey. And, of course, there's caring Joseph, and, and he's out front of the donkey, and, and he's leading that donkey along, and, and Mary's riding. And there's not really a mention of a donkey in, in the biblical text. Um, Mary may have had to walk the whole journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and that's anywhere between 70 or 80 miles. Now, mind you, she's pregnant. She's full-term pregnant, so she's, she's ready to have this uh, baby at, at, any moin- at any point, and, and, and this road that goes from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem, it's not one of those nicely paved 12-foot-wide railroad-grade trails. This is a curvy, windy, bumpy, probably rocky, dusty road. And there's, uh, you know, it starts off, and it, and it goes downhill. So the very first part of the journey is the easiest part. And then there's some elevation gain and drop and gain and drop, and finally, you know, they arrive. This is a long and grueling journey, especially if she's having to walk. Well, well, maybe there, was, maybe there was a donkey. Maybe she did uh, get to ride a donkey. But if you ask me, uh, riding a donkey for 70 or 80 miles on that kind of terrain, that's not much of an improvement over walking. Uh, our family was at the Grand Canyon this past summer, and we, we were standing there looking over the edge, and we could see one of the tour groups who had, who had gone down into the canyon overnight uh, on mules, and we could see in the distance, they're just little specks, and the mules are making their way up the trail. And, and so we got to see this whole group emerge out of the canyon. And as they're coming up, uh, it looked anything but comfortable, if you ask me, because they're just kind of bouncing along like this. And you, mind you, Mary's nine months pregnant. I can't imagine that riding a, a donkey for eight hours a day for four or five days was anything less than ouch right? I mean, this is a long and grueling journey. And we, we tend to have this, uh, we romanticize the picture of, of, of the story of, of Jesus' birth. Christmas cards, you know, with 
Mary and Joseph and the donkey, but they always seem to have this midnight blue background, and the stars are twinkling in the sky, and there's one large star that has, has a beam that comes all the way down on this nice and neat and tidy stable that's just all aglow in the night sky, right? And maybe you see just the silhouette of shepherds in, in this, on this other hillside over here. We get the, the silhouette of, of camels and the three wise men who are making their way to pay homage to this newborn king. We have this romantic uh, picture of, of this night. Um, I don't think that's an accurate picture. No. I mean, this was an interruption in life. This was, I don't think this is the journey that Mary had imagined for herself at this point. It wasn't what she'd always dreamed of. It wasn't her plan even to be pregnant at this point. It wasn't uh, her plan to travel this difficult road to Bethlehem. And in life, it, it, it takes some unplanned takes us on some unplanned journeys on occasion, some twists and turns that we would never even dream up or sometimes even want. This road to Bethlehem, it's long. It's difficult. There's lots of side roads. There's, there's lots of detours along the way. There's, there's road construction. There's potholes. There's road rage. There, there, there's wrong turns. And, and this road to Bethlehem for us is called life. It's what we are moving through uh, every day that we live. This journey to Bethlehem is life. And sometimes, sometimes, life gets in the way of us reaching our destination in Bethlehem to meet this baby that we are celebrating tonight. Maybe, you know, maybe we intend to go see Jesus. Maybe we really intend to get to Bethlehem and, and meet this baby, but we've been rocked by something or, or distracted by something. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe something has happened and we've just given up on trying to stay on this road that leads to Bethlehem. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a past mistake or a youthful indiscretion or something that you just think is completely unforgivable. unforgivable. Maybe, uh, maybe your spouse walked out on you. Maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe you're the one who's done the cheating. Maybe it's an illness that's ravaged your body or the body of a loved one or friend, and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing seems to happen. Maybe you find yourself living paycheck to paycheck, wondering, you know, where's my next meal going to come from? You, you, you add up everything in your life, and, and you look at the balance, and you wonder, you know, is this all there is to life? Maybe you've been overlooked for a job. Maybe you're underappreciated. Maybe you've just checked out on religion because of some bad experience with a church or, or with somebody who claimed to be a Christian in the past. Maybe you just wonder how you're going to survive. Maybe there's some addiction that's got its hooks in you and it is dragging you down and taking you under. Maybe it's a constant search for stuff, search for meaning, the constant, uh, the constant uh, search to fill yourself 
with something. There's a deep spiritual longing that you have, and you try and fill that with accumulation and in, in indulging in more and more and more. And I'm not trying to put a damper on all of the celebration. I may have done a good job of that. Um, but this road to Bethlehem ha- has a lot of traffic on it. There, there's a lot of hassle on the road to Bethlehem. There's, there's a lot of danger. Our, our world throws all sorts, sorts of, of curveballs at us. Um, there's billboards all along the way trying to get our attention and divert us from our course to Bethlehem. Because in Bethlehem, there's this baby. We call him Jesus. He, he is a gift to us. He is our salvation. And, and this gift can set you free from all of those things. See, this time of year, the poster child for our consumer culture is Santa Claus. You know, the overweight kind of guy. He's always dressed in red and white. And he's got the big, puffy white beard. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good-natured fun surrounding the lore and legend of Santa. I mean, he's known all around the world by many different names. You know, Chris Kringle, we have Sinterklaas, we have Père Noël and Saint Nicholas and Father Christmas, and we could go on. There's, there's all sorts of names for this guy, Santa Claus. And some of these legends have some wholesome uh, and good and redeeming value to them. Uh, people who are trying to brighten others' lives by giving. That's fantastic. I love giving. That's a good thing to do. But, but let me be clear about something. All those gifts are perishable. Uh, Chris Kringle will never give you something of lasting, eternal value. They will all perish good intentions and all, Christmas cheer and all, they'll still rot. At the end of this road to to Bethlehem, we are are told that we find this baby named Jesus, the one who is the eternal gift, the little one born to this young teenager named Mary. She laid him in in this manger and wrapped him in, in swaddling clothes. Now, one of my favorite Christmas carols Uh, asks the question, what child is this? What child is this? It asks the question, what? But it could easily just as well be the question, who? Who is this child? And maybe that's your question. Maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering, what what is all of this story about Jesus? Who is this person, Jesus? And and why why would I even care? And that's a really good, it's a very fair question to ask. And in the, the text that I wanted to read, the, the, a few verses in the beginning of Hebrews uh, chapter 1, uh, give us a really good answer to that question. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high 
having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Those are some really descriptive verses on this baby named Jesus. Text starts off long ago. Kind of sounds like the beginning to a famous movie series. Uh, Remembering long ago is good. Recounting the story of Mary and Joseph and the nativity scene is a wonderful thing to do. But I also want you to look really closely at those verses. And at the first statement, it tells us that God communicates, which is a pretty awesome thing to, to think about in and of itself. God speaks. He reveals himself to us. For a long time, the author says, God tried to get our attention at various times, uh, in various ways. God tried to get a hold of us, to reach humanity, to reveal himself to us. He he reveals himself through nature, through signs and wonders and appearances. If you remember, uh, he may have heard of a man named Moses who God called to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. God appeared to him in a burning bush. And once the people were free and they were out in the wilderness and they were heading towards this promised land that God had had promised them, uh, God appeared to them in a pillar of fire. And then there's the prophet Elijah, who, who God appeared to him and, and spoke to him with a still, small voice. And the, the writer of, of Hebrews, he, he tells us that God tried to get a hold of us and, and speak his word into our lives through prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, all of those prophets who God had spoken a word so that they could pass it along to the people. For some time, and at times, people listened and made some advancements in their relationship with God, but they would fall away. And that's really the story of Israel, an up and down and an up and a down relationship. And the author of Hebrews, he goes on, he says, but in these last days, translation for that is now, currently, God still speaks. He is still talking. It's not just the story of, about something long ago in a land far away. God continues to speak to us. We, we can't just leave it in the past anymore where it's nice and safe. See, when God speaks to us, his words interrupt our, our life. He, he, he steps in and shakes us up a little bit in the here and now. These days, God reveals himself to us through his son, to this baby that we are journeying on this path to Bethlehem to see. Listen to what we are told. Verse 2, the son is appointed heir of all things. Think about that. An heir who gets everything is an only child, right? Jesus is God's only begotten son that, that God sent to earth to love us and to save us. In verse 3, the author says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the perfect and exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus radiates the glory of God. When when you see Jesus, you see the face of God. This phrase in in verse 3 I find particularly interesting. It says, uh, 
he is the exact representation of his being. And the Greek word there is the, it's the word character. Now, it sounds familiar, right? Like character in a play or character in an alphabet. Well, in, in, the, in the Greek word picture, uh, they would mint their coins by taking this stamp and the metal would be a little bit soft and they'd hammer the, the, the mold down onto the, the coin stock and there would be an exact imprint of, of what was on that mold. And that was called a character. And so if you think about it, the author is saying that Jesus is the exact imprint of God. When we see Jesus, we see God. So what the author is saying is Jesus is God. Jesus sustains everything. He, he holds all things together with his powerful word. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is competent. And, and let me just say that as someone who uses words to make a living, this statement blows my mind. Think about that. Jesus holds everything together. He sustains all things just by talking. I don't know about you, but uh, I have tried to get a result by speaking things into existence. And sometimes, you know, it works okay. Other times, not so much. Have you ever tried to speak good behavior into your kids? Have you, have you uh, succeeded all the time? No. Jesus holds the entire universe together with his powerful word. Don't you wish you could just say something, speak a word, and your life would be held together? Your finances fixed? Your diseases healed? Relationships mended? Hate in the world gone? Racism in the world gone? Don't you wish you could speak a word and have that just disappear? The author says that Jesus holds all creation together just by talking. He goes on, he says, Jesus provides purification for sin. Did you hear that? Jesus forgives sin. The manger scene that we, that we look to at, at Christmas time is overshadowed by the cross where, where this Jesus died for the sins of humanity. Jesus can and he will forgive sin, any sin. He can forgive any past. He can forgive any hate. He can forgive any brokenness. Nobody's outside the loving embrace of this Jesus person. He'll pardon you. He will redeem you. This Jesus, the one who died, he was raised to new life. God, God vindicated his life by raising him from the dead. And now, as the author of Hebrews tells us, he is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And when we arrive in Bethlehem and we meet this frail infant, this one so humble and weak, when you, when you hold an infant you just know that, there, that this being is alive. You, you experience the glory of God right there, but, it, but you also have this recognition that this one is tender. It's weak. It needs something. Yet this infant who we meet in the manger uh, is the king of kings. 
and the Lord of Lords, the one who wields the very power of God. He is a personal God, yet he is a powerful God. His strength is actually demonstrated in his humility. And at Christmas time, we are, we are introduced to the Son of God who's revealed the very mind of God, who saves us from our sins and now sits enthroned in heaven to reign forever. So this story, it's no longer in the past tense. It's not just something that we remember and, and look back to. It's something that we can experience right here, right now. The baby that's laying in Mary's lap in Bethlehem, it's the ultimate and complete word of God to all of humanity. See, God is still talking. He is still reaching out. He's still trying to get your attention. It reminds me, uh, there's a movie called Bruce Almighty. Funny movie. Um, Bruce's hopes and dreams are shattered in this movie. Somebody else is promoted to news anchor, the position that he wanted. And Bruce is just ready to throw in the towel. He is ready to, to give up on everything. And he challenges God. God, I need a sign. And he's driving in his car and he's passing all sorts of signs. He doesn't pay attention to any of them. He doesn't heed any of their warnings. One of them is caution ahead, drives right by it. There's even a scene where he is driving behind a Department of Transportation vehicle that is just piled to the brim with all sorts of road signs, all that say stop or caution or turn aside or, you know, don't, you know, all of those caution signs. He, he, he zooms out and around that and ends up getting in an accident. He just completely misses the signs that, that are right there in place after having challenged God. And, and I, I was thinking about that scene, and I think sometimes uh, when we want a sign, things of this world just get muddled. We get confused. We don't pay attention there's too much noise that's going on in our culture. There's too many images that we are bombarded with daily. There's so much information that we see. There's so many thoughts that are racing through our mind that, that it's really hard to decipher what God might be trying to tell you or when he is trying to get your attention. It's just easy to keep on going through life. Truth is, it takes, it takes a lot to get our attention these days. To get our attention and actually have us maybe change a little bit, it, it takes a long time for the message to sink in. Th this season that we're going through right now, it's all about making room in our hearts, making room in our lives to receive this infant, to receive God. Maybe this service tonight is a sign for you. Maybe God's been trying to get your attention for few weeks, for a few months, maybe it's for decades. Hey, I'm here. Maybe you should pay attention to me. I've got something for you. I can forgive your sin, and I can welcome you and put my loving arms around you. Maybe you've just been zooming through life and going right by that sign. Maybe tonight's the sign for you. Maybe God's trying to get your attention. See, God continues to speak through his son. He's our Messiah. 
He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Darkness and gloom, stress and fear, illness and poverty, none of those will have the last word. God's going to have the last word. His love will win in the end. Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Jesus is the center point, the fulcrum, the axis around which the whole universe turns, the focal point of our celebration tonight. I don't know. Maybe all of this sounds just, just a little bit too good to be true. All, all I know how to do is to, uh, to point you in the direction of the manger and the cross. Because ultimate truth is found there. Forgiveness is found there. Your salvation is found there. God loves you. He will forgive you. Uh, people ask me, did you actually believe all this? Yeah, I do. In fact, I'm staking my life on it. I believe God is real. I believe that he speaks to us. I believe that he loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. I've experienced forgiveness. I've found new life in God. See, when Jesus walked this earth, people would oftentimes approach him and ask him about his ministry, about his teaching, about his healings, about his miracles. And in most cases, if not all of them, he would say something like this. Why don't you come and see? If you have questions, why why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and watch how I live? Why don't you walk with me, follow me? I wanted you to know that through this baby that we celebrate at Christmas, that, that you have open access to God. That he is not distant. He is not far off and removed from us, but he is close and he is right here. He is a personal God. Yes, he's majestic. He is awe-inspiring. He is all-powerful. But he is with each and every one of us. And he loves you deeply. Is this the person that you're on this path to Bethlehem to meet? Do you want to meet this Jesus? If you do, I'd love to introduce you to him. My, my prayer is that this Christmas season that you would find Jesus. That on this road to Bethlehem, you would arrive at the manger and you would kneel down like the shepherds and the wise men and you would worship him. And you would give your life to him, recognizing that he loves you. My prayer is that that you would make room in your heart for more of Messiah. And less of the person that's more popular these days in Kris Kringle. People God said, Amen. Amen.